2: Hello and welcome back to Making Room the Podcast, where we explore the impact of our before birth experiences and how that landscape shapes our experiences of motherhood and all it entails, with me, Holly DeCruz and me, Ellie Morrison. In this episode, we're going to discuss trust. Why is it important? Who do we trust? Why do we trust them? What influences that?
3: How do we build or rebuild trust? But first, how's your week been, Illy? Well, I mean, it's not been bad. I think first I want to start with happy Mother's Day. Oh, yeah. So I think that's, um, I'll mention that. I hope that you've all been given gifts and flowers and like pet- even petrol station flowers will do. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> just a little bit of bloody recognition. Um, we've never done Mother's Day in my family um, really, like with my mum until we got older and started earning our own money, and she would be like, um, "Hello, hello, yeah. like, you know, I'm here." um I quite like that, though. I mean, I, I don't. I mean, I'm like the most. I'm a person that just doesn't like to conform, mm. and so even really? if it means, give it, <laughs> do you get that impression at all? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like you know. Even if it means giving her flowers the day after, just so that I'm not conforming to what, like, capitalism says I should be doing. And also because they're all reduced. <clears throat> so, you know, I I have no expectation on Omar to get me something from Ihsan. I will not say no if it does come.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: But it hasn't. Yet. What well, do you do, Mother's Day?
2: Well, I... So when... Um... I was with Oscar's dad. We kind of made the agreement that we wouldn't buy presents from Oscar. And that meant that when he kind of made you a card, it was so mega. It was so (laughs) lovely because he just made it off his own back. It wasn't like, right, come on, you have to write this card for mummy with like a card that says, love you, mummy, on the front. Um, And I get that some people like that, but it really made his little
3: offerings amazing. So I kind of like that. I think each person should do what they want but i am not holding my breath but i hope (laughs) that you celebrate and are celebrated every day not only today how how, how's your week been tell me
2: um it's been good my second book was published last Mm -hmm. week and that was it was delayed its initial publication was delayed because of the first lockdown so it felt like a real triumphant moment that it was Mm -hmm. finally published um and I've been working on it for a long time, so that was really exciting and very satisfying that it's out in the world. So yeah,
3: it was oh good. good. It felt like a productive week. I'm glad. I'm glad. And if you haven't ordered Holly's book yet, then you should. You should. <laughs>
2: you should. It's called Motherhood Your
3: Way. <laughs> exactly. Um, I take any opportunity to plug. It, so sorry, thanks. About that. thanks Matt. <laughs> so trust. I'm really excited to talk about this. It's a good one, isn't
2: it? Yeah, I was kind of thinking, of no, trust, okay. That'll be, that'll be a good thing to chat about. And then I started thinking about it more. And it's a really meaty one. Yeah. And it's one that we don't give a huge amount of thought to, I think. Um, you know, trust is such an important topic. And it really spans the whole kind of parental landscape, I think. Mm. Um, it's something that's hugely... Um, you know visible in pregnancy in birth beyond that and it changes shape so much um and so yeah i'm really excited to talk about trust
3: yeah i mean i think i think trust especially when it comes to pregnancy birth and postpartum is like one of the overlooked things and it influences so much of our decision making um and how we feel about our decision making Mm. And it's funny because I've just finished a debrief where I was speaking to someone who was trying to, who's not based in the UK and was trying to find a a provider, a healthcare provider. And part of these meetings is that we do your birth preferences. And so she was saying, I don't really know. And I was talking to her about instinct, which kind of is that, you know, last week's episode was all instinct. And what does she feel? And she said, I don't know if I can feel... no, I don't 100% trust her and I don't know if I can, referring to the obstetrician. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but guess what? You don't have to, like, you don't yeah. have to 100% trust anyone. Mm. You know, this kind of idea that we have to put all of our trust in one person. Or one thought or, or one narrative. One thought, or Yeah, it. exactly. Yeah. Or one decision. Yeah. It, it kind of... It puts us in this box, it puts our birth and our experience in this kind of rigid box. And it really isn't. It's, you know, there's so much more freedom and, you know, having that trust and mm. being aware of the fact that it isn't necessarily something that will come immediately or be or, or ever be sort of like 100% yeah. is okay. I
2: think. And that you can trust people whose views are different. Yeah. That you could trust different people differently. You know, it's not, trust isn't a one-size-fits-all feeling, is it? No. Or experience. Um, so, I mean, if we think about trust in pregnancy, it kind of feels like a good place to start. Mm-hmm. And what I always feel is very interesting is this dynamic between the birthing person, her body, and her caregivers. Mm-hmm. And... It feels, generally speaking, like quite a one-way system Mm -hmm. where the woman has to place her trust in her caregivers and then her caregivers will tell her what to do with her body. When actually, what happens if that triangle goes both ways? What if we're teaching women to trust in their bodies and also trust their caregivers, but that caregivers trust in women's bodies Hmm. and caregivers trust in the birthing person's instincts? You know, that it should be a two-way experience. I think in our society, we have almost made trust into this thing that we just give to other people and then surrender ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's not something, I don't think, to just be given away. Yeah, It's something that you should remain an active participant in. And especially when it comes to pregnancy and birth.
3: And I think, you know, really importantly... The same way you can gain that trust, you can lose it. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's not a reflection of you or it's not risky. It's not whatever. It's like one minute you felt secure, you felt confident, you felt like you could trust them. And the next minute something happened and it's like, no, actually I can't. And that's yeah. okay. You don't need to be like, I did trust them. And so I need to continue trusting them. It's like, okay, at this point, I've lost my trust in them. Mm. Can I regain it? Yeah. Yeah. How can I regain it? What do we need to do in order to get there? Who do I need to speak to, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. But it's not a given that just because they had it once, they should have it all the time. And we don't, we don't treat, it's funny because, for example, in a relationship, if your partner goes and cheats on you, that trust is lost. Mm. And it's like, we don't just be like, well, I should just give it back because I trusted him once. Mm. But in healthcare, we can often do that. We can just be like, oh, well, no, they were fine. They were fine. No, it was fine. I trust. I, tr- I do trust. Yeah, that's them. a really good point. I hadn't thought of it like that. Yeah. And you have to just know that, like, people need to earn your trust. And it it's, can be severed. It can be. And, it, and, yeah. and what's the word I'm looking for? Irreparably. Like, yeah. you know, sometimes there's no getting it back.
2: Well, and, and also that that then affects how we go on to trust. Yeah. Because trusting people requires us to make ourselves vulnerable. Yeah. to being exploited or to um you know having a difficult experience and that's that's really brave uh, that is a really brave thing to do so it isn't a given that we're just going to trust everyone we meet but i think this culture we have around especially in healthcare where we are just expected to trust people because they have a certain qualification yeah. is It can be really limiting to our experiences and it can be limiting to our sense of autonomy because we shouldn't just trust people regardless of how they make us feel. Mm -hmm. You know, it should be something that's earned and maintained and nurtured um, because that does make way for the relationship being two way, I think.
3: And I also would say that by doing this, and we we do this a lot, like where we take away the human aspect of healthcare providers, for yeah. example. Like it's yeah. like saying, oh, they don't make mistakes. Yeah. Like they Everyone are. Everyone makes don't. mistakes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's like you've put this, you've put them on this pedestal and sometimes they put themselves there and it's like, so that's it. We should just automatically be like, yeah, you're good. It's fine, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, actually, No. A bad day could mean that they make a mistake that changes mm. your life. You know, yeah. a bad choice could mean that you have been put in a position that you're not happy with, you know, things like that.
2: Yeah, God. or even the environment that they're in, mm. you know, like healthcare professionals. I know a lot of healthcare professionals who feel under such huge pressure, who are not rested, who don't feel valued. Yep. Of course, that is going to affect the types of care they can give. When they are so heavily constrained and um, restricted from giving a whole experience because of the kind of system they're forced to operate in. And they must
3: lose trust in the, the kind of higher powers, must not they? Yeah. And also just like, for example, when I training as a midwife was fine, mm. um, going into it, I, I was very much a big believer in the body and the body's ability and the the trust in it yeah when you see intervention after intervention or like medicalized birth over and over again you can really start to lose that kind of like belief yeah or trust in the body's ability to just do something on its own or to do it in the way that you thought it was going to do it and so it really speaks to how we what we expose ourselves to and the stories we listen to and things like that and, and and whether or not they lead us to trust in systems, trust in ourselves, trust in people, trust in experiences, et cetera, et cetera, and places and things like that. So, you know, I, I think it's just one of those things that needs nurturing and unpicking and flexibility and fluidity mm. and that given the sort of space to explore, um, it's not just I just trust you. Yeah. I just it's trust not that it. Easy. I just you know, yeah. Like, you know, I just even people when they're speaking about birth and they're like, I'm just gonna go into it. I trust that my body was was made to do this. It's like on the one hand that's great, but on the other yeah. hand, you can't fail to prepare. Like, you yes. know, in some way or another, it's like, I trust it and I'm supporting yeah. it. So You know, I'm not saying you shouldn't trust your body. I'm saying definitely do. But also go and prepare as much as you can. Yeah. um, So that the two can work together.
2: Yeah, it's trust isn't kind of a ticket to success, is it? Yeah, exactly. Or a certain outcome. It requires a lot of behind the scenes work and kind of constant updating. You know, like, do I still trust this? Do I still... Um, feel the way I did three years ago or or whatever it is you know it's it's gonna it depends on the context of where you're and how you're placing your trust
3: I think like when you, you look at the systems that we birth in now and uh, you know this idea of status and hierarchy and we are like dependent beings we we look for caregivers and nurturing and and all of this from from authority figures or people that are that we admire or that are yeah. seen to be more knowledgeable than we are and things like that and so when it comes to being like giving birth where you can sometimes be in a very vulnerable position you just like you kind of look to that person like okay i'm just trusting you to support me I, I'm, I'm i'm you know we, we're needy in that way mm. um but that's where i think a lot of
2: birth trauma comes from yep. actually because yep. because we trust these systems and people so wholeheartedly when something doesn't go as we envisage, you know, we still maintain this belief that it can't possibly be their fault because they're trustworthy. So it must be us. Yeah. We got it wrong. We failed. We messed up. And, that's- and, uh, and again, it stops us from holding people accountable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then what happens? How does that then affect how we feel as mothers? Yeah. How
3: we trust in our intuition. I um, when I do debriefs, I, I often start with, you know, the question sort of like, and who, who are you blaming? Mm. And it's an open, it's, it's, it's like, I just want you to tell me, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. I just want to know who it is when you sit and you think about your birth experience. Is there someone to blame? And if so, mm. who is it? Because we the importance of coming out of a birth experience holding the right people accountable will help with that recovery whether or not it's you or someone else if it was that you did something that perhaps you're not happy with and you feel that you're to blame it's like right well how can i learn from this um how can i regain that trust in my own ability to make decisions yeah it's great fine but if it was put if it was someone else if it was a doctor a nurse a midwife uh, healthcare uh, assistant lactation support anyone put the blame where it belongs mm. because that will help you to then recreate or reestablish relationships if you were faced with that situation again. Okay, yeah. well, this that last time I trusted you to support me in this and it didn't necessarily happen, but now I can assert what I need in order to gain that trust. Yeah. So I need you to make sure that this baby has a good latch. I trusted last time that it did, even though my gut told me it didn't. This time I want to make sure because that way I can go forward with this knowing yeah. that you are trustworthy because you've shown me and then I can put the accountability in the right places when I need to. That is really interesting.
2: Yeah. And all yeah, because what you're saying essentially is that when we lose trust, there's an opportunity for growth.
3: Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, that's really, and that's so empowering, isn't it?
3: I mean, it really is. We don't even look at it like that because sometimes we're not faced with the opportunity immediately to prove that we've grown. And so we're just like, yeah, but... If it was to ever happened again, then I guess I would deal with it then. and whatever. Well, it's just written
2: off as a failure as well,
3: exactly. isn't it? It's just like, it's oh, like mm. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> exactly. But actually, when you then, you know, you could often be faced with it much sooner than you think. Um, and it's like, right, well, now I can I can see what happened and I can make a difference. I can make a different choice here. Um, yeah. I've learned from it. Like everything that we do is everything that happens to us. Everything we experience is a learning opportunity in some way or another. And that might hurt, you know, it might be like really painful to hash over or to. Yeah. It's not always going to play out how you envisage it. Exactly. But we are growing like Mm. whatever happens. And, you know, that's it for me with trust. And like from my own experiences of birth and trusting myself. And that was a real journey for me to like be like, did you cause a lot of those things to happen? Mm. Were you right in the decisions that you made? Or was it stubbornness? You know, was it all of these other things, not just you genuinely thinking that you were making the right choice? And can I trust my own ability to make decisions? But it was not only for me clinically, but for the women that I was looking after subsequently. Yeah. Are you making the right calls here? Can you trust your instinct? Can you trust your 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 knowledge, experience and education? And that that was a learning process. And I'm still going through it, you know, questioning myself, second guessing myself mm. all the time. There's nothing wrong with that. I think you should no. always second guess yourself. Always Absolutely. look if you're making the right choices. Yeah, and it,
2: and question other people that are making yeah. choices that affect you. Definitely. You know, like if, if we focus on the idea of in healthcare... It's okay to ask someone, do you know what you're doing? Yeah. Um, To question their experience. It's not, I think we see that as a really ballsy thing to do, don't we? Mm. I can't ask them that. You can, actually. You can. (laughs) You
3: really can. It's okay.
2: And not only do you know what you're doing, but will you tell me what you're doing? Yeah. Will you explain this to me in an honest, open, clear, truthful way? Or are you going to only give me bits of information that make me comply? Do you trust me to take the full picture and make an informed decision? Or do you not trust me to do that? Because that's really important. And then, you know, are you doing this to help me? Or are you doing it to help yourself or, you know, tick boxes
3: or... But also can you do this to help me and that's really important when we look at what what gets in the way of our trust right what our barriers to trust are Mm. it's like are people equipped to help me as an individual do they have my trust historically anecdotally um, based on your own experiences do they have your trust so i run um workshops on cultural competence and advocacy mm. and we look a lot at um, racial bias yeah and how that impacts um, the experience of black and brown women and birthing people now the statistics currently sit at approximately well five four and a bit times more likely so black women black and black women are four and a bit times more likely to die in pregnancy birth and and the postpartum period, and with brown women being two t- twice as likely, and women of mixed heritage being three times as likely. Mm. What is causing all of this? And when you're given those types of statistics, can you trust? Yeah. Can you really trust when you then go to an appointment and they're, they're talking to you and you're like, I don't know if this is information that's for me. I don't know if this is... Yeah. If I can trust what this person is saying to me. Well, especially when you are gaslit for asking
2: that question. So I think uh, like on that topic, we have to talk about confirmation bias because we have to acknowledge that our experiences are different. Mm -hmm. You know, as a white woman, I know that I'm going to get the best care I'm going to be listened to. You know, I, I take these things for granted and Um, on paper, that should lead to me having full faith and trust in the system that's looking after me. I'm not going to be at a disadvantage, okay? So then my experience, generally speaking, of the system is that it is a trustworthy place. Mm -hmm. Now, if you contrast that with the experience of a black or a brown woman who does not feel they trust their caregivers to give that same level of care, As a white woman, it's very easy for me to say, you're wrong. You Mm. can trust them. Of course you can trust them. I had a great experience. Why wouldn't you trust them? Because my bias comes from my experience of finding the system trustworthy. Mm. So then it undermines your experience by saying, no, you're wrong. Yeah, exactly. You, You can trust it. You're wrong. You know, and that is so damaging, limiting.
3: It's really problematic. It's really problematic. And it can't be disregarded. Like no. This is it by, by. if you're like a, a lay person, like to your friend, by professionals, like yeah. we can just be like, nah, oh, don't be silly. That's or you just got unlucky. Happened. Yeah, exactly. No, you imagined that and yeah. you're like, No, I didn't. Like, I didn't, and it's very difficult to go into these situations as a black or brown woman and trusting. And people just like, of course you can trust them. Of course you. And it's like, well, actually, evidence shows that perhaps. Yeah. I can't. I can't. (laughs) Like, perhaps. And I'm not going to have the same
2: outcomes as you.
3: Exactly. And it's funny because working now with a lot of women and birthing people who are being faced with going into um, hospitals to give birth and, you know, COVID and stuff like that. And there's a fear, you know, a real fear, not this is going to hurt, blah, 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 blah. There's a fear of dying. Yeah. Carrying that fear into birth, we know as birth workers, is the least optimum emotion to feel. Yeah. When trying what your to, trying to do. To, when trying to get your yeah. body to just labour and mm-hmm. to give birth, you know, it, if, if anything is going to get rid of that oxytocin, it's going to be fear of put death. put you on high alert. Yeah, exactly. And it's a very valid fear. Yeah. And so when we, when we deal with uh, black and brown women in day to day lives, but if we're professionals and, you know, we have to really work to gain that trust. Yeah, and, and work harder. Yeah, work harder. And it's not saying, and what's really important to note here is when we say work harder for black women, that's not taking anything away from white women. Yes. Okay, so asking for equality doesn't mean that anyone loses. Yeah. So, but these people need help. But that's the fear, isn't it? It's the fear, yeah. So oh, well, so we no, we no longer get the care then because it's yeah. being given all to black people. It's like, yeah. no. And all it does is actually
2: shuts down conversations about systematic racism you know the the biases depending on socioeconomic issues in our institutions and those you know how the disparity yeah, yeah. and if that isn't going to be a conversation nothing is going to change
3: i mean someone says to me oh but how how do we how do we gain their trust yeah ask them what they need yeah and they'll tell you, they'll tell yeah. you, you know, what can I do to, for you to trust me? What is it that I need to, to do? Because mm. we've come in with our own fears. I'm scared you're not going to listen to me. I'm scared you're not going to see me as an individual. I'm scared that you're going to push me into making decisions that I don't want to make. I'm, you know, I'm scared you're going to ignore me. And you can prove yourself and you should prove yourself. You should want to prove yourself. Like we said at the beginning, it's not a given that you should be trusted just because you've got on a blue uniform. Mm. like there's more to this you have to earn that yeah. and if someone is asking you to show yourself and say yeah. and it's same with how long have you been doing this job or have you delivered babies who've been in this situation before or have you done c-sections before it's yeah. okay if the answer is yes then say yes and if the answer is no then explain why it is that you're in the position to do it that day and what it is that you are bringing to the situation how you are making it safe It's okay to do that. And we should be doing that. Our ego stops us from wanting to be questioned. Yes. There's no space for ego in this game.
2: Because it's immediately taken as a criticism.
3: Yeah, exactly.
2: Like if you have to ask me that, you obviously don't trust me. No, I don't trust you yet.
3: I don't know you from Adam. (laughs) Why would I trust you? (laughs) You Yeah, And the questions
2: are the path to trust. Exactly. And and that path to trust isn't a straight line. We have to get our
3: heads around that. I literally do not go to anyone with any expectations of trusting me. Like literally my kid sometimes looks at me with like this face. that's like, "Mm -mm, mm -mm." (laughs) and like, she does not trust me. I was like, why don't you come upstairs? I've got something for you upstairs. (laughs) And she's like, "Mm -mm, mm -mm." (laughs) and literally she came out of my body. She should trust me. Right. Mm. No, (laughs) we don't have to trust anyone. She's like, but why, but why, but why, but why? Mm. It's like, good. Constantly asking questions. Make me show you. Make me show you why you should do as you're told. I mean, ultimately, you're going to come upstairs anyway. But, (laughs) you know.
1: Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore.
0: And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST.
3: As we get older and we are exposed to more, We stop questioning. We stop questioning and we stop we kinda of just start to go. We all just move. At it's It's almost like pace. we get a bit
2: lazy, isn't we it? Do, we because do. it's hard work constantly questioning things. It's tiring. It's I like, think like we're oh.
3: also scared of the answers though. Like sometimes we are just scared of being told something. It's like oh god but if 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 i ask that question that might lead to me feeling this way and then it might lead to another question and another question and so yeah it's, and there's there's an aspect of both you know there's that laziness of not really wanting to explore but also yeah. just like a fear of like opening a can of worms totally that
2: yeah that's exactly what i was just gonna say sorry no you, no that's i mean that. <laughs> that's why i love talking to you um but yeah you're so right and it's that fear of having to do more work it's like oh yeah. Our life's tiring enough i don't want to have to do more work
3: <laughs> yeah and it's why <laughs> so, so it's easier to position. just trust you know yeah. your
2: problem and also our life experience tells us that most of the time trusting people doesn't have catastrophic consequences exactly okay so most of the time if we trust the recognized institutions we'll probably be all right so yeah. why would we question it you know exactly. why would we put all that in effort into questioning it.
3: So let's look at birth trauma for example. Approximately 34,000 women experience some type of birth trauma, right? It's grossly underestimated. It's grossly underestimated because a lot of the time we don't speak about things. We also normalise mm-hmm. certain outcomes and behaviours and things like that. We justify them. Oh, they were stressed. They're overworked. They're tired. Oh, you know, it wasn't their fault. Blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. blah. Can I just healthy. really
2: quickly butt in there? Yeah. Something I saw the other day, I can't even remember where I saw it, but it was um, a sentence that was, is it normal or has it been normalised?
3: Yeah. That. Exactly. Exactly. And it's like, there we go. So that's what we need to be looking at because we've been conditioned to just be like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And so that's part of that trust where we're just like, well, I guess it's normal. So I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to complain because well, Mm. that's just what it is. Yeah. Mm. And even when you speak to a friend and she says, well, that kind of thing happened to me too. So, you know, okay, fine. And we just go on. But if we were to all speak about our true birth trauma and pregnancy trauma, and postpartum trauma, that number would be significantly higher. And our trust with the system would be significantly reduced. Mm. But because we're not speaking about it, because we've been told that it's normal, you know, it's been normalized. Mm. We don't, we don't make it, we don't make waves like that because it's it's okay though. It's okay. It's still a really, and I think in the UK, it's funny because we get free. And I say that in inverted commas, healthcare, we um we're like there's this like aspect of like gratitude mm. where it's like oh I, I i know it's fine but you know god bless well, the Well we NHS. touched on that
2: last week didn't we that whole kind of you know
3: raising the bar of our expectations mm. Mm. exactly but we're just like oh but you know there's just the greatest doctors and we've got all this great service and blah blah blah, mm. blah. <laughs> and so it's like oh it's fine it's fine mm.
2: it's fine and we do but it can be lot. great and also be questioned exactly like all of these things and we're should talking be. about, and should be, yeah. Um, also, you know, going back to the idea of confirmation bias, we naturally see more, pay more attention to, attach more important, attach more importance to what supports our own beliefs about the world yeah. because that makes us feel better. As humans, we want to feel like we're right, and we and like we are in an environment that doesn't challenge us. So we are constantly looking on a subconscious level for things that support our current beliefs. Yeah. You know, we don't, our natural position isn't to question that. So it is something that if we want to have more autonomy over, we have to be prepared to learn. And it's also okay if you don't want more autonomy over it. You don't have to. Yeah. If you're happy living your life that way, and that's not a problem for you, then it's not a problem. But if you are someone that is feels like they're being tripped up by this, then maybe it is something that you need to just pause around to look at more closely and to work out how you can unpack a bit.
3: Yeah. I, I also just think as well, like we need to, like going back to one of the earlier points is like, remove this idea that not trusting says more about you than about, the person or system that you don't trust like Mm. you know that this kind of it's it's like I just it's okay to not trust it like you can just say I don't I don't trust it I don't trust it and that's Mm. that's enough like that instinct thing last week you don't have to give explanations for things you don't trust it until you trust it and that might take work that might take them proving themselves that might take you reflecting on why you don't trust it what you can change things like that but it's it's okay to be to not trust it you know we're Mm. taught that again that linear thing that we all move in the same direction have had the same experiences and feel the same things and it's like well actually when it comes to pregnancy and birth and postpartum we've all had very different experiences and our reasons for trusting situations and people and systems can be very different and if you don't trust it, that's okay.
2: Yeah, that's a really good point. And modelling that for our children as well mm. in how we parent, because it is very, very easy and commonplace for us to just put the same expectations of trust on our children. Yeah. Rather than earning our children's trust. You know, as a human race, trust is our trust is in our nature. We want to trust people. We need to trust people because our survival depends on it, right? Yeah. So as babies, we have to trust our caregivers. We have to trust them to feed us, to keep us warm. We're not, ans- we're not asking questions at that point purely because our survival depends on us trusting our caregivers. Yeah. And in that same kind of vein, we are hardwired for the social connection that impacts trust. You know, if you look at the roles of oxytocin, that hormone you're producing when you have your baby, um, that paves the way for healthy attachment bonds. Yeah. But then if you look at our culture around attachment, it doesn't facilitate it. It doesn't support it. It doesn't encourage it. It doesn't educate about it. And so I do think a lot of those very, very early experiences with our babies get very quickly diluted and packaged and lost, which I think is so sad. I think so many of us are losing out because we don't trust ourselves Mm. and we don't trust that we are everything our baby needs when we absolutely are. And so then, because we are in this society that tells us you know our baby should be sleeping our baby should be feeding this many times a day what we naturally start to do is bypass attachment yeah you know we are told that if we keep picking up our baby every time they cry we're going to make a world for our own backs we're going to make Spoiling them needy them. we're going to make them needy babies are needy They can't do anything. They are completely 100% needy
3: by nature. And it is our job to respond to them. But it it's funny. It's that same thing. Like, I think you said it about sleep before, like this expectation of like being adults on babies. It's like, yeah, why are you so needy? Like it's your man. It's not your man. It's your baby. Yeah. <laughs> like, what do like, you mean? <laughs> this is your bedroom. This is your cot. This yeah, is where yeah, you sleep. Yeah. Don't call for me. Don't ask for anything. Because <laughs> I'm going to ignore be you. There. I can't <laughs> deal you... with needy. Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh well, hold on. Like, this isn't like a shit date. Like, this is yeah. like your kid. Like, <laughs> you know, like we should be, we should be wanting to do that. And um, everything around us is just like, no, 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 no. Positively. Well, it just doesn't. It everything it around us it just doesn't it, hold.
2: Yeah, it doesn't hold space for it. So, of course, we then question it.
3: Yeah, and like even like I see people who just, who just like oh illy i just need some advice I'm like well, what's the problem here? my baby was up six times last night i was like six that's a win like yeah. you know my baby would wake up so many times like if we just normalize these behaviors yeah. and and just say I, I always say something like what do you, what, what do you think as a mother what do you think Are you, do you feel that like something was wrong do you feel like it was a problem or do you feel like it was just normal behavior
2: hmm.
3: you know what in terms of instinct and trust, and how they tie in together, trust that. Yeah, you know, seek help when you need it because that could be a downside of like being like I need to trust everything. Yeah, like you know, sometimes you need help. Sometimes the situation calls for further assistance, and that's yeah. Okay. I think
2: something's wrong.
3: Yeah, exactly. And I need and to. Trust I that. need someone else's help. Yeah,
2: that's exactly. That's totally
3: true. And so it's like we we are are sort of like. F- trust in ourselves as parents is really important and it's in pregnancy because you know that same thing is like do i trust i've got to make a choice here can i trust the people who are helping me to make this choice what do i feel what do can i trust myself to make this decision and that's something that you have to work on Mm. you know really being like okay no i trust that i can make this choice with support sometimes and other times without it but trust that that's what we should be working towards um, when it comes to pregnancy and birth and raising children. Mm. And we will question questioning things does not mean that you don't trust them. It goes back to the same thing, but when you're having, when you've got a child in front of you and you have to make a decision for them and you're like, Oh man, I, I feel like I should know this, mm. uh, but maybe you shouldn't, maybe you need to just, and it's okay if you don't, right, like, it's really not a big deal. Mm. Um, it does feel like it though. <laughs>
2: it can feel really huge. It's really overwhelming. It's, really, it's overwhelming. really overwhelming. And I, you know, I certainly remember back to when I had my first son, I think as well, because I didn't really have friends that had babies. I just felt like, where do I look for this information? Yep. Where do I start? It was su- It was almost paralyzing yep. because I felt such a huge weight of responsibility to get it right. And so for me... Getting it right just became being what everyone became, doing what everyone else did. Yeah, because at least then it looked right. <laughs> it yeah. might not have felt <laughs> right, but at least it looked right. At least other people thought I was doing it right. Mm-hmm. And you know, there are so many things I reflect on, and I think I did such a disservice to my first son. Um, and, you know, and I'm not saying that for pity or someone say, "No, you did a great job. He's great. He is great." In spite of me <laughs> messing some things up, like. Just like I've messed some things up with Cosy, it's normal. Um, but that is what prompted a room for growth for me. Mm. Like, you know, what can I change here? What can I learn more about? And that was, I would say, in 10 years of being a mother, the most empowering part has been um, re-evaluating where I've put my trust. And that has been just eye opening for me.
3: In a lot of ways, um, do you know? Um, I was I, I I wrote a post yesterday, and um, it was on how being a mother, uh, you 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 feel like everyone's watching, everyone is watching mm. and, and waiting, um, and in many ways you feel seen, but equally you feel very observed. And yeah this year for many of us we haven't had that we haven't had people watching us we haven't had a mothers in or saying something or our mums or our sisters or mm. other people in mum groups and whatever and, and and in many ways i think and a lot of us can't see the benefit of that um yeah. because we're so sad about missing mum groups and not being able to do these things which are very valid yeah. you know things to feel sad about but In many ways, they've had to, as mothers, we've all had to, because it doesn't matter if you've got a newborn or a toddler or like an older child, you've had to learn to trust yourself. Yeah, You haven't had anyone that's telling you, oh, 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 look at that meltdown. Yeah, directly overseeing or directly Mm -hmm, judging. mm -hmm. Or telling you what they should be eating, where they should be sleeping, what they should be drinking. Like no one, even like the health visitor who once could have come and told you that, carrying your baby in the sling isn't a good idea, isn't coming over anymore. So she mm. doesn't know what you're doing. Like, yeah, yeah, so
2: has the pandemic
3: then been a breeding ground for building trust in ourselves? And I, if, I think if we take the opportunity to actually sit and think about mm. the benefits of it, because we're, we're constantly being shown about the negative side of it, but the benefit of it is that, like for me, I know that it has really helped me to carve out my own method of parenting yeah same you know, just I just totally be like, hmm. that totally resonates with me yeah I'm just I just yeah. do what I do yeah. like I haven't had to be around other people doing things differently which doesn't mean they're doing it better or worse but I yeah. haven't had the comparison I haven't felt the judgy eyes on me that may not have been judging me but felt like a judgment yeah I haven't had to respond to people who are who are questioning me because I think in those early years of parenting when you are being questioned it feels like an insult Mm. you know when someone says yeah oh why do you do you immediately get defensive and you're like what do you mean what do you well 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 you know you can kind of be like you can can feel like it like it stings a little bit we're a bit prickly in the first year especially
2: yeah understandably
3: Um, so understandably
2: exactly i found with having a toddler as well like i have um i've really learned good ways of understanding what Cosmo's going through Mm -hmm. where I know if I was out and he was having a tantrum my first priority would be shutting it down as soon as possible yeah I know it would because I don't want other people to look at me and think I'm shit (laughs) and you know not that I you know I don't think that when I see kids having a tantrum I don't think god look at her she's a shit mum I think that's you know looks like a difficult situation poor her
3: oh you're so nice I just think oh
2: god that kid why is he doing that to his (laughs) mum But, but what I mean is, you know, you feel like everyone is judging you, even yeah, though definitely. they're probably not. That's what I mean. But um, so my my priority, if I was in public, wouldn't necessarily have been helping Cosmo through a tantrum. It would yeah. have been taking the tantrum home as quickly as possible. Yeah. Whereas what I feel like I've been able to do at home is realise that he's not trying to give me a hard time. Mm-hmm. He's having a hard time.
3: Yeah.
2: And it's my job. As his mother, to help him process these big things he's feeling, and hold a safe space for him to do that, so that he trusts me, yeah, to do that, so that he trusts that my priority is his safety and well-being rather than what other people think.
3: Yeah, exactly.
2: And and like now, I feel so confident in doing that at home that I know that when we go back out into the world. I'll feel much better equipped with that Mm -hmm. because I've had the the space of not being observed and to just be able to figure it out. Yeah.
3: And I think as well, just being like, you know, just kind of with son, it's definitely been a huge learning thing for me because I was very much like I would go to groups or speak to friends and they'd say, mm. oh, my baby's doing this, my baby's doing that, whatever. And I think in many ways we can really overlook the good that they're doing because we get so caught up in what they're not doing yeah, and the comparison and all of those things. And, you know, for me, it's like this has been a time to really get to know her and to like, see her for who she is and treat her accordingly. Yeah. And see all the good that she has and how incredible she is. And I think that, you know, we can really overlook all of that when we're constantly feeling like we're not getting things right. Yeah. You know? And totally. We lose trust in the fact that we've done a really good job by creating these humans because we're no longer just looking solely at the things that they're not doing. We're kind of like, oh wow, you're like a whole like Full person. And yeah, and seeing where they are at the time and meeting them there. Meeting them there. So this is what I was thinking with motherhood and that trust and all of those things. I, I keep saying, like, meet people where they're at. Yeah, Like, it isn't, you know, in terms of if someone is telling you that they're not feeling that they can trust someone, meet them there. Don't tell them, yeah, you can, blah, 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 blah. You explore it the same way with our children when they're coming to us with something Don't tell them that they're wrong. Don't tell them that they're making too much Mm. noise. Don't tell them that they're being irritating.
2: Or that they're overreacting. Or that they're overreacting, (laughs) exactly.
3: Meet them there. What's Mm. the problem? What do you feel is upsetting you? Yeah. Um, And uh, let me tell you right now, I get this wrong. Sometimes. Oh, so do I. I'm so triggered by sound. Um, Yeah. I'm very, very noise sensitive. And when a sound starts, like, crying, I, I... I'm just like, like my immediate reaction is tense. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, nope, nope. Um, Come back down and talk to her about what she needs. Talk to her about what she needs, Mm. you know? Um, And I can trust that now.
2: So how do we translate that into an action plan for our listeners? Mm. I love Um, an action plan. I love an action plan. (laughs) Um. I always think it starts with understanding ourselves on a deeper level yeah so looking at our own relationships with trust Mm -hmm. who do we trust have we thought about why we trust them or are we trusting them blindly um have has our trust been severed or lost do we want to rebuild it really looking and making space to look at our uh, at our own relationships with trust
3: yeah and i think as well Another thing is having really healthy boundaries, yeah, and trusting that those are the ones that work for you. Yeah. Like, they don't have to look like anyone else's. You don't have to explain them to anyone. Mm-hmm. That's what your boundary is, and you are secure in it. And it might change, and it's okay if it changes. But if yeah. not, then that's fine too. Um, and that you can communicate it, I guess. As exactly, well. and just letting people know, and that's including yeah. like healthcare professionals if you're pregnant or. You know, friends, family, friends and family that want to visit you, and it's funny we're speaking about boundaries here. And I think a lot of people, you know, as as we look at restrictions easing, you might find that people just really shit on your boundaries. Yeah. Um, because you know, for example, you you're now like, well, actually, I don't really want anyone to hold my baby because I I just don't. It's been a year, and I want to, yeah. you know, just protect my baby as much as possible. Whatever your own anxieties, and you might find that suddenly everyone's calling. <gasps> rule of six is finished or rule of six is fine we can meet up I can't wait to hold the baby and squeeze the baby and it's like that for you is a boundary assert that boundary trust that you're okay with asserting that boundary and doing that you know and take the time now to really work on that because yeah
2: yeah rather than it being reactive yeah exactly yeah I think um really um challenging ourselves to see and more importantly hear things from other people's perspectives I think that is so important and it does go back to that idea of confirmation bias where we will naturally surround ourselves in echo chambers of people who agree with us and you know cement our beliefs but nothing gets taken away from that when we hear other things other perspectives other viewpoints other beliefs you don't have to be on the defensive all the time. Practice seeing and hearing things and then just holding them
3: mm-hmm.
2: without them always having to replace something. You know, I think creating space for
3: that is really of such value. But also getting rid of them if they don't serve you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I've, I've, I've listened, held it. Ah, oh, I don't like it. I got to go, you know. Mm it's cool it's okay take the whole thing um, and then you know the other one I I think is like we said before question 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 like yeah. don't don't let your guard down don't feel yeah. like now I can relax just question things
2: have you like, seen the um, poster I've got above in in, in our kitchen
3: no oh, I have what did it say again
2: <laughs> ask more questions ask more questions I love it that my kids see that every day ask exactly. more questions
3: <laughs> but not to me the time. right now <laughs>
2: but yeah i mean you're totally right and it's thing i think it's thinking critically Mm -hmm. not comfortably
3: yeah exactly exactly and i think in in many ways you know my sort of last point is be on high alert not in that way that like makes you anxious or apprehensive but just be don't don't just be like ready yeah okay Thing, cause things come at you sideways <laughs> you'll find mm-hmm. that every one of their mum wants to tell you something when you're pregnant when you're giving birth when you're postpartum when you're you know mothering a toddler it's like yeah. i'm ready and i know what to do with it i'm taking yeah. it i trust myself or i'm liking what you're saying or i'm not but just be ready exercising that muscle exactly um so i think um Yeah, I I think we've kind of like scratched the surface of trust, really. (laughs) Um, We could talk about this for bloody ages. But what we'd really like to know is what your thoughts are. And if you have felt heard or can resonate with some of the points we've made and i would love for you to get in touch um on my instagram which is uh mixing up motherhood
2: and you can get in touch with me too um at the yes mum mum and please take a moment if you can to like subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts So next week, we will be discussing decision making, which I think follows on nicely from what we've been chatting about today. Uh, You know, we all have to make decisions every day and lots of them are quick and easy, but we have to make big decisions throughout our lives, too. Um, But the need to make the best decisions amplifies for sure when we become mothers and it can feel like there's so much at stake. So, we're going to help you navigate the process, whatever decisions you're needing to make along your motherhood journey. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Bye.
0: A podcast from
2: producerpol.co.uk.
0: Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince.